another episode of the bitch mob podcast first off for those that watch this for those that listen to this shout out to y'all this is a celebration this is the one-year anniversary of the bench mob being in existence um if you did not see we have a contest going on free giveaway go to our page bench mob bench underscore mob underscore podcast on ig and you'll see all the rules to follow i am joined today by the full squad that is here the big four is in the building. Starting off with Chris, how are you doing tonight, my bro? Good, man. Good to be back. Nice relaxing weekend. I know some of y'all out there got your little Valentine's dates in and whatnot. Miles over there geeking already. You know, he was up to something. But, uh, yeah, man, it's just good to be back. Greg, the Nets aficionado, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm not as good as you. It's your birthday, bro. I'm not as good as you. Thanks. Oh, happy birthday to my guy. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And, of course, we are joined today by the only bachelor on the show, Mr. Do It For The Ladies, Nick's Tape in the building, Miles Davenport, smooth operator, left hand. How you doing tonight? You don't get, get me caught up with these intros. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> you you out here, Aaron Aaron Miles out like he he Miles can have a girl on the low and she might every be living week, and getting tight every episode. That's my intro. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the vibes is. She know what she signed up for. No, yeah. when she said yes to Miles, she know what she yeah. signed up for. That's the thing. She may not. Look, I mean, let's look at him. Light skin. Wave, look at him. He purposely put his head down right there. Wave, spinning. Mm, the the beer connecting. Mine don't connect, but I'm married, so I don't got to connect. I'm straight. Wow, <laughs> I'd love to be like you, man, but we're going to get straight into it. We was talking about this before we started recording. Oh, you might as well start here. Chris Doyle, former Iowa strength coach, was hired by Urban Meyer for the Jaguars. Yeah, Jaguar. For the Jaguars, he was at Iowa, and over 50 players came forward attesting of his racial comments said by said coach and his comments where he made fun of people with learning disabilities. There was a lot of backlash that came from it, and from the backlash through social media, the great world that we live in, he resigned. I want to get y'all takes on this whole situation of the hiring and the resigning of Chris Doyle. Hold up. Y'all know how uh, 
I know how Charlemagne be doing the donkey of the day. He get yeah. the donkey of the day. Him and Urban Meyer, both of them get the donkey of the day. And uh, let, let's start off with, with Doyle, right? So I can't even say it's not really – you know, we, we're not even going to go there because I'm, I'm not about to get into that. But at the same time, like, you know these players aren't lying. No one's just going to come out here and just make false allegations against – you know, these are grown men who are players. They're not just going to make these false allegations against, you know, a strength and conditioning coach, right? Um, especially if they feel some type of way about it. So, uh, yeah, he was accused of, of making racist comments and whatnot. And at, at the same time, it's like you got to believe it if, if you're, you know, the regular person just from the outside looking in. Like, like you said, it was over 50-something players. It, and we, we didn't get specific on, on what he said, right, and, and what he did. But at the same time, like, you know what you did, which is exactly why you, you resigned the day after you took the job. You're like, oh, it's sweet. I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get this contract right. Nope. He saw them allegations come out, and he he saw he heard all the noise. He's like, yeah, let me. I, I ain't built for this. I'm I'm not about to sit here and, and and listen to all this. And and at the same time, too, coming from him, like, you you know you messed up at some point. And then Urban Meyer, like, you got to be looking at Urban Meyer, like, man, what are you doing? And 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 for someone who, you know, I was listening to something the other day. He was they were talking about like. Urban Meyer was was the king of of college football, right? When when he was coaching at Ohio State in in the Florida Gators, like you can't check him on the field. And then like from a coaching standpoint, college is different. You don't got to report to a GM or anything like that. You call the shots. Every any everything goes through you. You don't got to check with anybody or anything like that. So you know, Greg kind of said it best earlier. Like he he thought it was sweet. He's like. All right, let me let me go ahead and bring my boy in. Like they already had a strength and conditioning coach. Like, and in what really got me got me mad and, and what set me off about Urban Meyer is one you just started with Jacksonville. You're supposed to be trying to make a good impression and and try to change the culture there. And he's already acting like his resume at Ohio State translates, and it doesn't. You don't have control of that locker room yet. These players, some of these players don't know you. They don't care what you did at Ohio State. Like, it's different. These are grown ass men, and, and excuse my language. These are grown men, and they uh, they care about most of these men care about more than football, right? It's not just a game to them. They care about changing the league, and we saw that this whole past year with with BLM. So, for Urban Meyer to come in and think you know that's going to slide, and that you know he doesn't have to earn the respect of his players in the locker room, and, and just really you know do whatever he wants, like it just says a lot about him as a person. Hey Miles, at this point, can we safely say that? He might have already lost the locker room before even the first snap. Possibly. Because how do you come in as a new coach? Everybody knows your resume as a, a college coach. But that, like like Chris said, that doesn't translate to the NFL. This is a new new league that he's playing in. So now you got to gain the respect of these players. And if you're choosing somebody who's clearly, well, been accused of making racist comments, then what does that say about you? If you're willing to co-sign on a guy who, I mean, let's be frank, most of these teams are made up of predominantly black athletes. So if you're willing to bring in a guy who's accused of that, then I don't know. I don't have much respect for you. I think it would have worked out, though, if he decided to stay because he would have tried that with a grown man on the Jacksonville Jaguars. It would have ended differently. He's not going to go to the university or the team to talk about it. He's going to get chin-checked easily. 
Greg, you were very passionate on this topic. You can go ahead. You got the floor, Greg. <laughs> I just don't think this topic is that is is that complicated. All right, it's another white coach in the NFL, a league ran by white men, and a guy a white coach who's had success at the collegiate level and has been, and college coaches like are, are above any other state official in their in their respective states like they get paid more than anyone they get paid more than anyone in their states right so he's he's not used to having anyone telling him what to do so when he stepped into this job he he and he had full control was given full control of draft decisions personnel decisions what did we think he was going to come in here and do he didn't stick his neck out there for a friend that's not what this was like people people were talking about it like he stuck his neck out there for someone he's known for a long time he knew what backlash was going to come with this. You know why he thought he could get away with it? Because he's white. <laughs> because he's a white man. That's why. If a black man tried this, it would be a problem. And I, it would be a problem. Like, it would be a problem. And it's a problem regardless of your skin color. But the, you only, the only person that could have this audacity to try this and try to get and think he'd get away with it, right? And it probably could have gotten away with it, too. That backlash is hot. But I'm sure what really happened was there was a call from upstairs, like, hey, you got players in this locker room that are black. There's more more most of your players are black. So there's gonna be a problem here. They're not they're not gonna go out there and play for you. And they may not, they still may not go out and play for him. Who knows how this works out? But like you guys all said, but the reality is he thought he could, he could get away with this because he's a white man. That's how that's what this boils down to is white, it boils down to white privilege. All right, he can stick his neck out for a friend. That's not it's 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 really simple what this was. So for me, it, it's <laughs> It's exactly it's it's crazy to me. Urban Meyer goes on TV, has this pristine image, right? He, he talks about the game, he talks to to black co-hosts, he deals with black players. It all seems fine. It is all I thought about when I heard this story was, yo, we don't know any of these dudes. We don't know any of these dudes, right? So I can't give anyone the benefit of the doubt, like no one, because I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you stand for. All I know is what I get to see on TV and what someone writes up for you when you go on a, a press conference. That's all I know. I don't know you. So I, Urban Meyer showed everybody who he was, bottom line. And I can't say I'm surprised to see it. It's that simple. The transition, that's a good point. Uh, we talked about this. Like Mike Tomlin probably doesn't have the same type of pull to try, to even try something like this. Um, speaking of, you got J.J. Watt, we all know was released. A lot of people are saying that was a factor also race because Deshaun Watson is not getting any leeway or pull. J.J. Watt and the ownership came to a mutual agreement and decided that it was best that they part ways. Maybe it's because J.J. Watt, obviously, is until end of his career. Deshaun Watson is definitely starting to peak even more. So where do you think J.J. Watt could possibly end up and – I heard some of this debate. Is J.J. Watt considered, outside of maybe Andre Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, one of the greatest Texans ever? Is his jersey going to be up in the Raptors? No doubt. Up, up in the Raptors for, for the Texans, of course. I mean, this this is a guy that's had uh, over 101 sacks in, in his nine seasons with, with, with the Texans, right? Like, pe- people forget, like, J.J. Watt, because Aaron Donald's been in the league now for a few years, and – He's been the talk for for defensive ends, but like people forgot, like JJ Watt when he when he was in the league, you know, back in early on in his career when I think it was 2012 to like 2015, he won the defensive player in the year three years straight. 
Um, and then he kind of had that injuries start occurring and, and he got injured, you know, consecutive years in a row. I think uh, he's only played like two full seasons in the past five years where he's played the full, you know, 16 games. Um, and his numbers are obviously showing with, with the decline and whatnot, only five sacks this year um, and four in 2019. But at the same time, like he's still a, a player that you can put on a championship team and, and he's going to, you know, be valuable to, to help you get to that championship level. So, like, I think J.J. Watt could easily go to the Browns and, and the Browns could really be a, a force. I mean, we saw the Browns this year without – I mean, with, with a great defense, right? Um, and then they had their offense exploded with limited, with limited wide receivers. These are just players that stepped up. Um, that that made them look good and, and whatnot from Jarvis Landry um, to I forget boy's name um, that's that's besides the point but at the same time you put JJ Watt on the other side of Miles Garrett now you got forces coming from both sides now you don't know you know which side to overload on with, with your offensive lineman and, and which side to run away from you know you, you make it that much more difficult and uh, I would love to see him on the Browns uh, you know, just for him to hopefully get a shot at, you know, winning a conference game. That's something that he hasn't done in his career. Um, you know, just had that opportunity, but uh, he can come to the Bengals too. You know, we need some pass rushers. The Lord knows that, but uh, he not winning no chip with us. <laughs> I think, I honestly think Dallas might try to keep him in Texas. That's just my opinion. I, I can see Jerry Jones pulling something like this instead of doing what Dallas would really need. But I digress. Uh, Miles, what's your take on J.J. Watt and a possible team he could go to? I feel like the reason he wants to leave is because he wants to win. At this point in his career, he's done so much. There's no point in, you know, being like Kobe and sticking it out and hoping that we eventually get it together. It's like this ain't getting fixed. Everybody wants out of Houston. Literally every sports team, all the players are leaving. Like that's a sign that there's something going on out there. So I think you just look at some of the Super Bowl teams or some of the teams in the playoffs, like the Chiefs, they're an option, of course, because everybody knows that a Mahomes-led team, all you need is a, a better defense. And he could be that piece that gets them over the top. Uh, Tennessee, I see as a team as well. Um, they brought Clowney in and he wasn't exactly what they thought they were getting. So maybe they try again with JJ Watt, someone a little more proven and, and go that route. I like that Cleveland Browns pick though. I think him, Miles Garrett, that could really be a difference maker because the Browns aren't as bad as people, you know, like to say that people say the Browns going Brown, but they look pretty good <laughs> this year. <laughs> so I think, if he's looking at winning, those are three teams that that put him in his best position to get a ring, I think. Should that be his focus, Greg, trying to get on a winning squad? Like, does he have enough left in the tank, in your opinion, to actually help out a winning squad? I mean, yes, he definitely does. Um, he's still a, a great player. Um, but what it boils down for him, too, is, like, the cap situation with these great teams. Uh, that guy's not taking – vets minimum deal to go play for your for a championship level team is not happening you're gonna have to give him a respectable contract and he's still that kind of player he still demands that kind of respect he can be a pro bowl 
controller on any given year. So that level, that level of talent, obviously, even now. Um, for, but first off, he, he is an all-time great Texan. He might be the greatest Texan of all time. Um, I, I should think he, I actually think he is the greatest Texan of all time. Um, if Deshaun plays his whole career there, then that we'll, we'll talk about that. That'll change. But since Deshaun isn't, Right, and since he's not trying to, I think JJ's going to be the greatest. Go down as the greatest Texan of all time. But um, yeah, I mean, some great fits for him. I see the Packers. He's from Wisconsin, home. Uh, get to play with a team that can win a championship on any given year with Aaron Rodgers. Um, two, they have some cap situations they got to work through, so see if that can work. The Browns is a really good pick too. But then again, they on another team. They just paid Miles Garrett. They have some cap situation they got to work through, and they have to pay Baker. They're going to have to pay Baker. They're going and they're going to pay him. Um. So they have to work through that. They also have Odell in the books, Jarvis in the books. They have a lot of money tied up. So I don't know how that works for them. Um, but the Steelers, another team I think is interesting too, because his brother's there, obviously, but they also they're gonna need pass rush. Um, I actually think they're good. They could lose Bud Dupree. Um, and he's an intriguing guy that hit the market. So I'm excited about the idea of him hitting the market. But with you know, a guy like JD being stepping in there and filling that void alongside TJ Watt, it's gonna be dominant too. So those two teams are teams I'm looking at as potential fits. And obviously, I think Dallas, too, because it's the kind of stupid thing Dallas would do. They would go get yeah. a big-name defensive end player. That's what he does. That's Jerry Jones. Let's look at the big-name defensive player. Let's look at the big-name player in general. I don't care what position they play. If it's a big-name punter, let's get a big-name punter. Right? Let's just do it, right? Because we're all about flash over, over substance. The Cowboys are flash over substance, right? So, yeah, I, I can see them doing something like that, too, for sure. They would definitely go after him. Um, it's, and still I'm not pay Dak. Huh? Yeah. And still not pay Dak. Oh, yeah, bro. He's not paying Dak. That conversation should be dead. He's not paying Dak. <laughs> he would have done it already, yo. He would have done it. The ankle injury is not going to change the way Dak's game is played. So he's yeah. not paying Dak, bro. That, that conversation is deep. As far as I'm concerned, Dak is gone. It's just a matter of where he goes in a year or two, right? And they're going to try to figure it out in the draft to try to try. – I saw a rumor today they would, they would pay Dak – and then try to flip him for Deshaun with picks. <laughs> like I saw that. It's it's crazy. It's it's crazy. Hey man, no, but the JJ Watt would be a good fit for any team, but he's obviously gonna go out there and put winning first. I just don't know how much he's gonna compromise in terms of money because he's still a player that can command an excess of ten dollars ten million dollars a year easily. So it's just a matter of what he's willing to give up. But let me ask hey, you this real quick. Transition. Perfect yeah. transition. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, Antonio, what do you think uh, he's worth in terms of, you know, like you, Greg just said, he can command $10 million a year. But if, if you're a team signing him, are you signing him to a two-year deal? Are you signing to a four-year deal based on his injury history and how much you think he got left in the tank? Because he's not someone you can build around anymore, right? He's someone that can come in and help you out, you know, for that season. And then you think about the long term later. Uh, his long term may only be three more, three, four more years in, in the league. So, uh, you know, where do you stand on that? I think they should do something like the Titans did that one year with Jadavion. Hey, we do it one year. And I think if Clowney actually played well, Titans would have had no problem signing him back. But I don't think that's going to happen because of his performance. So I think, me personally, I think J.J. Watt, if he's healthy, if he can play, like you say, he hasn't played a full, what, season in God knows how long two out of the last five seasons, a healthy J.J. Watt, I think the perfect ideal situation on either the Browns or the Steelers, where he's not the focal point, he's going to get busy. 
You might see yeah. a year where he get eight, eight to ten sacks, especially talking about on the Browns. It's two, three people trying to stop Miles Garrett alone. All right, now you add JJ Watt, so they both eat off of that, and then God forbid you put him with his brother TJ Watt, and that was much Pittsburgh blitzes. Oh yeah, they he, wouldn't have to blitz as much. They, I think uh, they blitz, they blitch too much. Pittsburgh blitz too much. They leave their corners on the island way too often. So now yeah. stop blitzing. Those corners can play more zone, more matchup zone. You're better in coverage, and you're going to get there with four guys. That's what, that's what J.J. Watt allows you to do as a defensive coordinator. You get there with four guys. So, no, I think that Steelers is – I think Steelers are the most logical fit. The Packers are a logical fit, too, because of just destination, home, and, hey, I'm playing with a great quarterback. I have a chance to win the Super Bowl this year. Like, those two places make a lot of sense, and they can probably work it out with the Cavs situation. Speaking of the Steelers, J.J. Watt did come out. He's been in the news a lot for the, the release and everything. Came out and said this tweet. I want to hear what y'all thoughts are on it. Aaron Donald is an absolutely incredible player. I love watching him and watching him play, and he's headed to the Hall of Fame without question. This has nothing to do with him, though. This is me saying what my brother won't. TJ played one less game and still led the NFL in every major category. He had more tackles than Aaron Donald this year, two and a half, Sacks more than him, more tackles for loss, more QB pressures, more QB hits, passes defended, and he had an interception. Does he have a point here? Should TJ Watt have gotten defensive player of the year? Yeah, he has a point, but you got to look at it like Aaron Donald's getting double and triple teams every game. So mm-hmm. if he's putting up that many sacks and he only had like what, two sacks less than T.J. Watt, then of course he deserves it over him. That's my opinion because if everybody knows how dangerous he is on the field, you send three linemen at him and hope everybody else just trips and falls because you know how he can just wreck a game. Like T.J. Watt is good, don't get me wrong, but Aaron Donald's probably one of the best defensive linemen ever if you're really looking at it. Yeah, I think I think it depends on how you use him too, right? Like TJ Watt, you can move him around. You can you can he can uh, drop back. He can you know be on the right side. He can be on the left side. Um, and and Miles brought up a great point. Like he's not getting double teamed every single play. Sometimes he is a free shot at the quarterback. Like Aaron Donald doesn't ever get that opportunity. You put him on the right side, he got two guys on him. You put him on the left side, he got two guys on him. Sometimes TJ Watt line up on that right side. No one picks him up. Straight shot at the quarterback. Depends on the criteria for the MVP award. This is what we get into when we talk about basketball MVP awards. It, it, the conversation pisses me off with the NBA, and and it, with football, it's it's a lot. It's I don't think it's the same thing. I think they they chose the best defensive player, the most technically sound, the best defensive player on film. They chose him, so I don't have a problem with that, right? If that's as long as they're consistent. But if you're looking at the numbers, the raw numbers, yeah, they have a point. TJ should have won. By raw numbers, TJ should have won Defensive Player of the Year. Because what what more could he have done? It is not his fault he gets free shots at quarterback. It's not his fault he doesn't get double teamed. He was productive in the situation that he was in. He made right. every opportunity that he had. That's all you can ask for out of any player on the field. That's it. So if the criteria is, yo, best player, best player in terms of numbers on a particular, on any given defense in the NFL, if that's what it is, TJ didn't have to win. If it's, yo, who is the best, the most dominant football player on the defensive side of the ball, period, is Aaron Donald. And so I don't have a problem with them picking Aaron Donald. No one should. 
But if you're TJ Watt, you got to feel a little sick because you could have had that under your belt. What else could you have done? It, it, there's, a, there's a chance he never does this again. I'm not saying he's that – because that's a historic season he had. Shaq Barrett had a season similar the year before. So he did a very similar thing. So, you know, it, it's all about criteria and what the writers, what the writers are, are voting based off of. Um, I, I hope we talk about – I know I think we're going to talk about the MVP for the NBA too because that pisses me. And that's the difference between the NBA and NFL. So I don't have a problem with the way the NFL does it. But um, I think that they have a point. He has every right to be upset and feel some kind of way or go kick rocks or something because I'd feel some kind of way too. You, now you mentioned you mentioned a good point too. You said he might not have a season like that again. The same can be said of Byron Leftwich. The same could be said of Todd Bowles. They win a Super Bowl, and their stock is definitely the highest that it's probably been in the last three to five years. By the time the Super Bowl is over, there is no open head coaching positions should the nfl change the deadline on when coaches get hired should it be after the super bowl even you look at eric b enemy stock was super high last year when the super bowl he's still assistant coach and specifically you're looking at this black coaches when their stock is high you know the saying they better strike while the iron is hot mm-hmm they don't get that chance to be – you feel me? It's going to be, oh, we need to see consistency now. So yeah. they, they didn't have that opportunity. So should the NFL actually change the deadline on that? Should it start after the Super Bowl? No. No, because the black head coach that didn't get the job before the deadline isn't getting a job after the deadline's been – the deadline isn't why they're not getting hired. You can hire a head coach. You can theoretically hire a head coach as soon as the playoffs start, as soon as it starts. So what stopped any team going after Todd Bowles? Todd Bowles did a great job with that defense all year. It wasn't just the Super Bowl. It wasn't just the playoffs. They they shut down the Packers. They they in that one game where they sacked Aaron Rodgers like fifty times, like what it felt what it felt like, right? So, and, and Leftwich did an amazing job. Tom Brady will get all the credit, right? The, the thing is, all black coaches in, in the NFL is like when they have success, everyone else gets credit, and it tends to be the white person that gets the credit. So Eric Bannerme is Andy Reid. He's a genius. Do you ever, when you listen to football games, when you listen to the commentators talk, it's never about Byron Leftwich. It is always about Bruce Arians. Oh, that's Bruce Arians. That's classic Bruce Arians. Like, they may have a good play, classic Bruce Arians. If you listen to a game when the Chiefs are playing, classic Andy Reid. Look at that jet sweep there in for Timmy Kill. It's never about the enemy. They, it's so strategic. It's so, it happens right in front of us every Sunday, but no one pays attention to it, right? Like, those guys aren't getting a job. And, and I hate to be cynical about it, but we've all, it's, it's, there's precedent for this. We've seen it, right? Those guys aren't getting a job no matter how far you push the deadline out to. I could push the de- deadline out to the start of next season. You could do it up until week one of next year. They're not going to get the job. They're not getting a head coaching job because, as we saw at Urban Meyer, this league is ran by white men who look to help their people out. And they don't care about backlash. They don't care about us talking about this on this podcast because they, they're above they're above the law. They feel like they're above the law, right? Like, you think about how high and mighty you have to feel that's, to be Urban Meyer, not to bring it back to him, to, to hire a guy who was literally cast aside from and fired from his, from his program for, for hate speech openly, right? Like, that's insane. So if you feel that high and mighty about that, it's no way you care about the way black people feel or black representation in the NFL. They don't care. Every, everything, everything the NFL does is performative. 
everything they do from that perspective, from a Black Lives from a Black Lives Matter perspective, the NFL's everything they do is, they do is performative. I don't I take everything with a grain of salt. I love the sport. I love I love the sport. I love supporting the black athletes that go out there and are brilliant every single weekend and do something that is incredible. They're real life superheroes, right? But from a like a, from a big standpoint, from a big picture view. Colin Kaepernick was right on the nose to everything, man. Like it, it boils down to that. It's a bigger, it's a bigger conversation to be had. So this is a good conversation to have, but they're not, those guys aren't getting hired, bro. They're just not because everyone else is getting credit but them. All right. And if you look at, and I'll say this too, and, and all the listeners can go can go look this up. I looked this up the other day. Black head coaches have a higher overall like win percentage than any other race, minority, it doesn't matter, race that's ever get coaches in the NFL. They are, they are, they are above 500 collectively. It's a fact. That's it's crazy. So it goes to show you got to be twice as good to get half of what they got, and you just, and sometimes Chris, you still don't get what they got. Chris, let me ask you this. So with this being said, Greg's shared a lot of facts right there. Do you think there can be anything done to help change this though? Like they have the Rooney Rule, but we see that hasn't really changed anything affirmative action uh you know just in general hasn't really changed anything per se you know you get the the conversation of oh he only got hired because he was black mm-hmm. do you think anything can be actually done to change this in info that's a good question and and honestly i think the answer is no right you gotta if you're if you're the person that's in charge of, of hiring for your organization right if, if you're if you're the owner and, and you're making that hiring decision you got to give everyone a fair shake based on what they bring to the criteria. We we saw it um, with with the Detroit Lions and Bienemy was still on the table to to have a head coaching job and and he didn't even get a, you know a fair shot at that. Obviously he was he was still in the playoffs and whatnot and they couldn't really reach out to him. But like the fact that it, it shows you this right here, the fact that they didn't even try to to hold off a little bit and and wait to see how, how some things played out and whatnot you know, just tells you everything you need to know right then and there. Like, they're they're willing just to, you know, grab the next available white guy rather than give the black man a, a fair shake in, in terms of head coaching. Now, the one thing that I will say in terms of uh, – Greg had mentioned something earlier in terms of uh, consistency, right? You know, some people want to see consistency, and that's often the excuse uh, made for black coaches not getting a job is, oh, we need to see another year of him being consistent. I think I think if someone said that about Byron Leftwich, I wouldn't have a problem with that because he's in his first year as a offensive coordinator, and I kind of want to see how he does next year too. I would hate for not I would I wouldn't hate for him to get a head coaching job this year, but at the same time, uh, I want to see what he does in year two with Tom Brady under his belt. See if you know they can run it back and and see how you know some of the things that I wish they would have done this year differently. See if they make those adjustments next year and and just really see how they do. If, if someone made that critique about Byron Luffwich, I would not have a problem with it. But for someone like Todd Bowles, who in his first season with the Jets went 10 and 6 and led them to a winning season, yes, crippled by a, a few bad years of, you know, non-playoff runs and, and just overall bad records. I think they went like 20 and, and 40 in his whole tenure or something like that. Um, Miles can speak to that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, with Todd Bowles, like, you know what you're getting from Todd Bowles. Todd, the thing that I respect about Todd Bowles, right, is he humbled himself. He didn't go and become an analyst. He didn't go and try to become a college coach. He sat back. He said, all right, let me take this 
coordinator position. Let me stay here for a few years, remind people who I am, and my head coaching job going to come. 2022, at the end of uh, this coming season, he will be a head coach in 22, I guarantee you. He, he's going to get a head coaching job somewhere else. Um, but again, it, race is going to play a factor into that too. Is he going to get a fair shake? He, I should say this, he should get a, a head coaching job in 2022, but you know, time will tell. Hey, Ma, so in a situation, let's say Todd Bowles gets a head coaching job, right? Do you think it is the responsibility or it should be a responsibility of black coaches that get that opportunity to also hire black though? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you look at Bruce Arians, I mean, shout out to Bruce Arians, but if you look at his whole uh, staff, it's all black, like from defense to offense, like Byron Leftwich, black, Todd Bowles, black, all the like cornerbacks coach, running backs coach, all yeah. black. So shout out to him for giving them an opportunity. But it's just, it's a tough conversation to have. I mean, it's something that's going to keep happening every year. Um, I love Todd Bowles, though, but <laughs> it was just a bad start in New York. And he has no personality, really. So for him to come out in New York and show no personality, it kind of left a bad taste in his mouth as, as far as the head coach goes. But, yeah, I hope I hope he gets another opportunity. But then, it, like Greg said, you got to work twice as hard twice as hard and it's that's just the way it is even without football in in life for us for all of us we got to work twice as hard just to be seen as equals with our white counterparts so with the nail on the head if you didn't say that I was about to jump in and say that because like this goes way beyond football way beyond oh lovey smith was winning games with Rex Grossman as his quarterback. Does anyone have how? Does anyone know how hard that is to do? Rex Grossman, we don't we don't curse in the podcast. Rex Grossman was ass. Like, <laughs> come on, yo! Like, what are we talking about? Yo, we have to work. We have to work three times as hard to get. Lovey yeah. Smith never got a job again, bro. Jim Caldwell never got a job again, bro. Like. Yeah. What are we talking about, bro? Like, if, if black black coaches don't hire black assistants, who is? Who's gonna do it? No one. That's how this game go, bro. White people help their own. They help their own. No matter how crazy the stuff they've done is, right? No matter how off the wall the stuff they've done is, like they have the audacity to to, to drag any old anyone along. So, why shouldn't black coaches do the same thing when they get the chance? Why shouldn't Mike Tomlin do the same thing, right? Like. Hey man, like I, it's it's crazy, it's insane. And it's a point that Chris made with Byron Leftwich. I think all of us would agree that would have been a a fair assessment. It's only been one year, and the thing that I think we also are saying in it though, you have to be so careful because, as you said, you got to be twice as good. They have a shorter leash, so I don't think Byron Leftwich, after one season, you don't want to see him get a head coaching job, knowing. He only got one year on his belt coaching, and they already going to have in the mind, look, if you don't get 12 and four in those first two seasons, you're out of here. Mm -hmm. if, all things are, if all things are equal, we see hot white coordinators, like white coordinators that are, that are hot and go on winning streaks, like especially offensive coordinators, get jobs real quick. It don't take that long. One good yeah, season. But after one season, though? Yes. 
Yo, Joe Brady leveled up. Joe Brady yeah. went to LSU. Joe Burrow killed it, right? They win L. They win the championship. He goes to the Panthers. Has a okay year. Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. It wasn't so much about him. He has some good pieces over there. And then he gets he gets he doesn't get a job, but he gets interviews. He got interviewed this year for jobs. Yeah. You can go look it up. Did did Leftwich get the same consideration? Or oh oh, it's because it's Bruce Arians' offense. See, right. you see what I mean, though. You see what I mean? No, I that rule didn't I get the credit agree. for Joe Brady's success, right? But you see how that go? Like, so I don't want to hear that either. Like, I, Leftwich, I, I for his own benefit, we're saying he shouldn't get a job. Yeah, yeah you don't, don't want to see him fail after one year. Yes, but but the reality is, if all things are equal, Leftwich deserves some interviews. He's just going to sit down with somebody and talk about some, some jobs. Like, for sure. And he doesn't get it. And we all know why. Yeah, well, like the like you just said, he deserves some interviews. That's the, that's the thing across the board in life. We don't sometimes even get to get in the room. Myron Leftwich wasn't invited in the room. He wasn't – he didn't get a seat at the table. That mm-hmm. is just that simple. Um, Whether he wanted to be in the room or not. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no choice. Didn't get the option. Didn't get the option. This is crazy. Exactly. And this is the NFL, though. Um, To circle back to the original question, I don't know if this ever changes. Um, I think it's just situations like in life. If you're in a position of power and you're Black, try to put on as many qualified Black people also so you can build and it could be something where you're looking at like everybody talks about Belichick the Belichick coaching tree it should be like that with a black head coach you should have somebody like a Mike Tomlin that you have a a tree and then people could be like oh yeah we hired him he was under Mike Tomlin oh yeah we hired him he was under Tony Dungy Tony Dungy had something like that kind of um so I think that's kind of what has to happen and that's across the board honestly responsibility as a black man, as a black woman, in the position of power in any industry, in anything you do, to put black people on. That's it. It don't mean hire people that aren't qualified, but to put black people on. You have a responsibility. That's, it's that simple. Across the board. I think that's a perfect way to wrap wrap that segment up. Transitioning flag on the play. Y'all know the vibes, accept or decline. Sticking with football. Adrian Peterson wants to play to 40 and break Emmett Smith's Russian record, accept or decline? Accept it because I feel like he wants to play because he's a little broke right now. He's got <laughs> bad investments. He needs to, you know, earn a little extra cash before he's he's all done. His legs are his money maker, so I get it, AP. You wanna you wanna play till forty, but it's, it's not by choice. You have to. You have to. Uh, yeah. How, what's Antonio? Let me ask you this: What's the uh... Where is he at right now? How, how far is he away from that record? Uh, uh, he's like 3,000 yards short. Yeah, no, nah, he don't got three seasons left in him, bro. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he didn't reach 1,000 this year. Well, he needs yeah, he... 40 yards rushing. Yeah, yeah. What he needs well, this to is the do thing is... That's, that's crazy. The quote that he said, I want to live to be a 40-year-old back out there rushing for 1,500 yards he can do and it. amazing people still. He can do it. 1,500? I don't see 1,500 uh, coming out of AP. Nah, I don't, I don't see it either. The season was crazy. No one's ever done nothing like that before. That, man, that was years ago, though. That, that's not how his body's feeling now. Wait, he, 
we can play the, uh, the father time argument all we want. Yeah, there are there are certain athletes that are generational. We have to understand when you see them. Yeah, okay, LeBron, Tom, Tom Brady's a generational athlete. He deserves the credit, right? I, as much as I, it's on record. I don't like Tom Brady, but he's a generational athlete. He deserves the of credit course. for that, right? Like he is. And so, and, and it's not that Tom Brady's some gifted athlete. It's that he's smart enough to know how to take care of himself. LeBron's smart enough to know how to take care of himself, and he's a gifted athlete. AP smart enough to know how to take care of himself. And he's a gifted, he's a freak athlete. That's him he's also Brady. getting hit every play. What? He's also getting hit every play, unlike Tom Brady, unlike unlike LeBron James. I agree. No, someone's gonna do it. Someone's gonna do it, bro. Someone's going to someone's going to get played to 43. <laughs> someone's gonna play that to that age and go crazy. And, and they're gonna they're gonna have 1,500 yards as a 40-year-old back. It's gonna happen. I'm telling you. Because that's just the way we're hitting. Joe the thing with AP, he's a, he's going to be a free agent coming up though, so it's all depends on if anybody signs him. I think someone will. People will sign him, but not as their starter. No, but you don't have to he, be a starter to do that. He's he not, not getting a hundred. He's not getting a thousand. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You think he's getting two thousand yard rushes pretty often? That happens. If you have a good running game, you can do that. Okay, the 49ers can do that any given year. They can pop two with two thousand yards. What what yes, team would you love to see? Would would you do you think he could do that on? That's what I want. The Niners would be a great with Shanahan's offensive line. It'd be a great fit. If you let him run behind guys like Mostert and those dudes, they'd just be throwing dudes out there, random dudes having <laughs> forty yard runs. Please, yes, he could do that on a team like them with the, or the or even the Packers on as just, as just a backup back just throw them out there they have AJ Dillon now they're trying to they're gonna let go of Aaron of, of Jones right they're running back they're star running back they, they another first round pick by the way they don't use first round picks on offensive talent it's a joke but yo like they could get him and, and let him pop off get 800 yards this year as a backup yeah they can as a rotational back he's just a vet at this point he's just He's helping out the younger backs when he, whatever team he goes to, he's he's the voice of reason for them. Like you think, Harry Swift helped him. Do you out. think he's at, Do you think this uh upcoming season in the summertime? Do you think he'll be at the rookie symposium talking about uh, money? Hell no. <laughs> we, we think it's only about bread. It's only about bread, bro. No, I I know, I know. I, I think he's. I've been being serious. He's a football junkie. He got some kids, though. He got to be a little bit over right there. He got some kids. Oh, well, he definitely got kids, right? He got work with those. You know that. Hey, Greg, I agree. Football junkie, one of the top running backs in, in history. But that's definitely factoring in. He's not going <laughs> to come out and say that. But the money aspect is definitely factoring in and paying some of those bills. Outside of it, we saw he just lost a lawsuit, what, two weeks ago, just lost a lawsuit. So I think that's factoring in it also. Next one, Bow Wow is training with Rakishi for a WWE. Rakishi, WWE, he's saying Bow Wow will be a part of the WWE after his final album, Accept or Decline. I'm decline. <laughs> That's a big decline for me. <laughs> Bow Wow a sellout. <laughs> he likes five six. Who's he wrestling? <laughs> I don't even. Is it gonna be Rey Mysterio or something? <laughs> this, is a joke, this is a joke, bro. He's trying to be relevant. I, I, him I, and Nate Robinson gonna get in it. Bow had some bots back in the day, man. We talk about what Bow Wow did with Bell. He had some. Yeah. He had some little. He had some hits back in the day, man. Shout out to Bow Wow, but yeah, he was good in like Mike. 
Lottie. Like Mike, baby. Like, it wasn't like Mike. Yeah, give him more credit, bro. He had some bops, bro. He had some bops back in the day. Like Mike was a, was a classic, but he had some hits, bro. Yeah. And, he the son yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to give him that credit, bro. I think he needs that. Someone got to talk him out of this bad idea. Hey, guess he's trying to catch up on a lot of stuff. He lost, you know, Sierra, but that's another topic. Next one. Last one for flag on the play. This is a, a shout out one right here. It's crazy. Joseph Davis, Florida man, steals engagement ring and wedding bands from one girlfriend in Orange City to propose to his other girlfriend in Orlando with those same rings. Except wow. for decline. <laughs> rings, rings are expensive, man. You gotta get out you can. These rings are expensive out here. You know? it's, a, it's a pandemic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, for my two rings. Hey, man, listen, it's a pandemic, man. You gotta, you gotta recycle. Wait, so I want to make sure I understood this correctly. So this guy's dating two girls, and he proposed to one girlfriend. Took those so rings. And... So it didn't work out with the girl in Orange City. So okay. he took the rings from the girl in Orange City to propose to the girl in Orlando. The girl in Orange City found out that the jewelry was mentioned about seven thousand dollars worth of jewelry, and she called the police. So now he's uh being it ain't yours no more. It ain't yours no more. It ain't work out. Oh, man. You don't get to keep it. Oh, nah, man. you gotta do what you gotta do. He's smart for that. I commend him. <laughs> I commend him. <laughs> I would have done the same thing too, especially during a pandemic. <laughs> Yo, Chris talking hot right now because his girl don't listen to the podcast. I was joking. <laughs> Ariana, I was joking. I was joking. Uh, yeah, I would never. Yo, why, 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 Miles? Let me ask you, Miles. What you think, Miles? Hey, that's dedication. You, you going? First off, that's only a story that would happen in Florida. Like facts. That's only a story that would happen in Florida. But that's <laughs> that's dedication to the chick that he he gave the ring to. You willing to go to jail for her? Theft. <laughs> only, only he could spin it like that. <laughs> hey, it, hey, ain't, it ain't, it ain't so theft. She, he could spin it like so, that, bro. So she has to buy the ring. Is that what you're saying? You're not buying the ring, right? Hold up. So did he propose to the other girl and gave her the rings? But she's. What did she do? She she basically robbed him of it. So he robbed her I back. See. I guess so. It he didn't brought work the rings out in the first place, place, right? So they weren't hers. He... All right. Free my guy. Free my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Transitioning. Free my guy. Uh, it's seeming as so far up to this point in the NBA season, it's a two-player race for rookie of the year. Is this the case of Emmanuel quickly and LaMelo Ball. Do you think it is a two-player race or is it more time that we should look into it because we still are only a quarter into the season. All-Star game is just coming up next month. I think we can safely say LaMelo Ball will be in this conversation the whole season, but quickly, is he a part of this conversation two-man race? Yes. Yes, he is. 
And the reason why he is because the Knicks are the Knicks are winning games, and he's playing a big role a big role in that. Now, the Knicks have to continue this effort throughout the rest of the season, right? Which I I actually think they will. I think they're gonna be a, a solid team the rest of the way through. So, yeah, I put them in the conversation, and then it, it it's automatically puts you over Anthony Edwards because Anthony Edwards the, the the Wolves are horrible. They're not even fun to watch. So it take it takes it's as good as he is and as talented as he is. It's, it takes him out of the conversation just a little bit. Wiseman's obviously been hurt. So it's it's tougher there, and also Wiseman's having a harder time adjusting himself to the NBA game. There's just it's just he's having a harder time. So yeah, I think it's a quickly mellow race right now. I think it'll be that way all the way through, so long as Emmanuel quickly can hold up. And I think he's he's built for it. I think he's built for it. So two man race. I I I think I know who's gonna win this race. But I love Quickly's game. I'm a big Quickly fan. Big Quickly man. Shout out to him. He came into the league with the whole package. He plays like a vet. That's that's yo, that's baby CJ McCollum. It's baby CJ McCollum. I'm telling y'all, I, I'm, I'm telling. He's a stud. So, so Greg mentioned winning. Do you think Miles? Do you think this is going to factor in who wins Rookie of the Year? Because I think it's safe to say right now the Knicks might end up with a better record than Charlotte if Knicks have a better record. Does it go to quickly? I think regardless, it's going to go to Ball. I mean, he's the bigger name. He's got. He's getting more minutes, putting up better numbers, I guess, right now. But quickly, he's doing what he can in the minutes that he's he's getting it. He's showing what he can do, the potential he has, and that he was taken way too low in the draft. I mean, plenty of teams passed on him. He almost dropped out of the first round, maybe. If the Knicks don't pick him there, he might have dropped out to the second round. So shout out to the Knicks. We got one right. We might have our point guard of the future right there. Um, and it's, he's fun to watch. It's uh, I'm proud that Greg's he's willing to admit something good about the Knicks. I have never been scared to give the Knicks credit. Anyone who knows me know I'm never scared to give the Knicks credit when they do something right because I, I don't have to do it that often. So here we yeah. are. Here they've done something right. They've gotten something right. Yo, this is a great time for them. The Knicks remind me of the Nets team back in 2017 with D'Angelo and, and Karras and Spencer coming on the scene. That's what they remind me of. Because you got Randall's elevated level of play where you get the 40 the 40 burger tonight. You've got um, Emmanuel quickly playing at a really, really high level. And you've got sophomore R.J. Barrett figuring it out. Figuring it out. And he's taking better shots. His shot selection's gotten better. He's gotten better in year two. He has. So it's an exciting time for a Knicks fan if you actually aren't beat to a pulp by how inept this franchise has been for so long. There are some Knicks fans who just can't even get up off the mat. They just they tapped out a long time ago. So for the people like Miles who stick around, they deserve some happiness. Um, you, if you had you know been. Miles is more faithful to the Knicks than um, a Chris. So <laughs> wow. <laughs> It's crazy, yo. I didn't know where he was going with that, <laughs> but damn. Hey, Chris, is uh, LaMelo your rookie of the year? Yeah, LaMelo is definitely my rookie of the year, and here is why. LaMelo has a, a different – Emmanuel, because he, he plays well, right? He, he's got his whole package, and, and he gets buckets from, from all angles too, but LaMelo just has a different type of swagger about him. He was league-ready when he came in the league, and there was no question about whether he was going to be league-ready. We see what he, he was playing with grown men overseas, right? And we, we saw what he did overseas, and Greg nodding his head. Yo, the one thing that sticks out to me is not even something he did on the court, like with the ball in his hand, not a move he made or whatever, because everyone knew, like I said, everyone knew he could get buckets. Everyone knew he could come in and play. But, like, 
the confidence that he plays with and he has that same type. He's definitely someone I think that has, and we didn't talk about him a few weeks ago, but someone that has that Mamba mentality, right? I think for for him, excuse my language again, but he knows he's coming on the court. I'm going to bust that ass. And with with the boys that he played with over in Lithuania, the play that sticks out to me the most is when he was out here and uh, he had that little scuffle and confrontation with the guy, and he just smacked the boy across the face, right? Like, doesn't even think, like, he's like, like you can't you can't play with me like whether it's physical or whether it's on the court like you're not beating me um and he he just comes with that with that energy and and that you know confidence and it translates into his game and you see him after making one three he like this already you know game just started two minutes ago like where does that come from so um yeah he's definitely my he's definitely my uh rookie of the year the way Melo affects the game is similar to the way Luka Doncic affects the game. The only difference is Luka has been a professional his whole life. And Melo, similarly enough, played, played professional basketball before getting to the NBA. But Luka was more refined coming into the NBA. I They they really do. They're a lot alike. They're a lot alike in the way they affect the game. They both play to get their teammates better. But they also are very aggressive when they have to be. And they can they, they, they balance it very well. And so Melo is just a natural out there, especially playing in pick and rolls. Pick and rolls, the way the game's played now, it's a perfect fit for him. He's going to be a superstar. He is. Now, something that came up a couple of hours before we started the show that wasn't on the docket, just have to get your viewpoints on it, especially since we've talked about it on the show. Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin will not be playing with their teams, respectively, anymore amidst trade talks. Do you see either of them getting traded? Or is it going to be a buyout? And where do you see them possibly going? I'm going to start first. I think Blake Griffin would fit perfectly with L.A. with AD situation, which we're going to get into. But I think Blake would fit there perfectly. But, Greg, I know you was big on drumming coming to Brooklyn. It's <laughs> talks of him going to Toronto. Here, here's the thing. And Miles over here laughing and snickering and all that. So the reason why I said I was big on Drummond coming to the Nets is because, A, I know if he got bought out tomorrow, he'd want to go there. He's pretty clear about it. Not because I have inside sources, because he literally commented on Kyrie's post saying that he thought the Nets were going to the finals. I think that guy would want to come join us. That's what I think. Okay, so I'm not – call me crazy. He literally as much said it, right? So, yeah, he's he's just good enough to where a team might give up a second pick, second round pick for him. And that's why it's, a, it's tough. Even with that inflated contract, it was not crazy for me to think that that guy's going to get bought out because this contract is crazy. And I don't – I wouldn't want that on my books. But if you buy him out, that's a little five-year minimum, vet minimum deal, I'll, I'll do that because Drummond's a weird player. Like, he can have 30 and 28, and you he, he didn't affect the game. Like, he didn't – it sounds crazy, but you can get – you can have a 30-30 game and not affect the game. Like, Clint Capel will get 30 and 20 rebounds and not affect the game at all. That, that's that's how that it's crazy how that goes because sometimes defense just lets you have certain things so it's easy but um with him toronto is interesting i mean it doesn't make them any more scary no um they're holding on to this kyle Lowry pipe being a little too long here and it's time to move on it's, it's time for them to go to a youth movement over there um with blake griffin i think la is the perfect fit for him then the lakers are the perfect fit because 80s gonna be out for, and we're gonna get there. But 80, I think 80s gonna be out for some time, for a substantial period of time here. So they're gonna play it safe. And so if you want 
to have someone to come up, come up the bench, give you some scoring, you know, someone else who can play that point four position too. Like he's a talented player. He's more skilled and more refined than he ever has been in his career. So LA is a good fit. There'll be a lot of teams interested. I expect if he gets bought up, the Nets will probably give him a call. I, I expect that they, they, why not? Why not at this point, honestly? Um, but I, I think that the Lakers are the best fit for Blake Griffin. If I was Drummond, and if you're asking me what his best fit is, I think it's Brooklyn. He's exactly what they need, you know, but it, it may not, it's probably not going to happen. Miles, I see you rubbing your face there. Are you in uh, disagreements? I mean, I don't know. I don't think Brooklyn's a good fit for him, but I'm not, I'm also not a fan of Brooklyn. So Why? Why? What do you mean? Why? What? So tell me why. Give me, give me reasons as to why he's not a good fit for Brooklyn. I want to hear why. I don't want to hear he's not a good fit. The fans don't want to hear he's not a good fit. Why? I just told you. I can tell you why Drummond's a good fit for the Nets. Want me to do it real quick? Okay. No. So, <laughs> I know Drummond, if we just dumb down his role, is going to get rebounds. He does that. He swallows up rebounds, and the Nets have a hard time getting offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds and closing out possessions. The reason why the Nets' defense is so bad is because they are horrible on the glass, and teams get second chance of points. Drummond fixes that tomorrow. He also can run the floor, catch lobs from one of the best passes in the NBA, James Harden. He makes the offense more efficient and go. And you're not getting no post touches. That's perfect. Come set a screen for me. Go catch this lob. Run the floor, catch lobs, protect the basket. Pick up some fouls. I don't care. Just be in the way. Be another body. He's a he's an able-bodied defensive center in the NBA who can affect shots. And, and that's what the Nets need. He's exactly what the hey, Nets need. Yeah. I, want you to be, I want you to be there for that coach staff and seeing Steve Nash or Mike D'Antoni telling big old Andre Drummond, yo, you're not getting no post, no post touches. Word. No rebound. You think he's going to accept that? Just he's going to. Yes. To win a championship, to change, his, to change the image of him around the league. Yes. You do what the team needs. This happens to a lot of players running NBA, man. Play your role. We just talked about this with Brad Knight. Play your role, man. Your role is not to come here and get post touches. What? Why in the world would I give you a post touch when I have three of the best scores in the NBA on the outside in the perimeter? Why? It makes no sense. It's not efficient for the offense. The Nets are a perimeter-oriented team. Just get rebounds, run the floor, catch lobs, block some shots. You're good, man. But that's, the thing. that's the thing, though. You see. You alluded to it in the group chat. It seems like he tries to do more on offense. He might even want to go to a team where he can get post touches, which he's not getting in Brooklyn. He doesn't have the choice. He hasn't been good enough to decide. Drummond, you know, I don't think people understand what, what Drummond's situation is here. Drummond is overpaid, and he's on his last leg. If he doesn't make it work in the NBA and become what it what become what teams need to become, you know what he reminds me of? He's like a sound white side in that sense. Hassan Whiteside, yo, Drummond's more talented than Hassan Whiteside. I'm not, I'm not saying he's not. But Hassan Whiteside came into the league and got and started smelling himself. It was like, all right, well, yeah, now I'm going to get post touches and all that. Oh, now I'm going to start taking jump shots. No, you're not, you fool. Grab <laughs> dunk the ball, and run the floor, man. Get your bread that way. You know who's a smart big man in the NBA? Clint Capella. You know why? Because he don't want post touches. You don't have that bag. Andre Drummond is super talented and can develop that bag under the right circumstances. But teams don't need it. It's highly inefficient. And if you watch Drummond, he does a lot of dumb stuff with the ball. A lot of dumb stuff. Like, it's, he's unnecessary moves, bro. He's not Joel Embiid, but he thinks he's on that level. Calm down. Take it to here. Come do your job. 
He'll get a bag. He'll get a new deal. Four Drummond. years. Drummond. Promise you. So tell me why. Do you, do you, do you, do you, tell me why you're not fit for the Nets. Why you not fit? Because y'all got too many guys over there. You He doesn't want to go over there. What? What are you talking about? What is he? <laughs> what What is he gonna? He can't be, so you mentioned you mentioned the 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 comment on Kyrie's page. He can't just be. Hey, I'm just showing respect that I think the Nets is gonna win. That no! might not make him want to play. Who does but, that? Who, who does, does that? that? It's a brotherhood. So get the. <laughs> you know what he's doing. <laughs> Get out of here, yo. You know what that was, bro. That was a cry for help. A cry for help. He's in Cleveland. And he knew he's going to get benchmarked for Jared Allen. He knew it was coming, bro. He wants to go win an NBA championship and play with players who are going to get him easy baskets all game. And that's what the Nets are going to do. Kyrie and him are going to be throwing him lobs all day. Even KD's a lob. He's throwing him, a lob, throwing him lobs there. It's a great fit. It's it would make him look like a star. Huh? Now that you say it, they would make him look like a star. Are you kidding me? How many easy baskets he get? Why is Miles shaking his head? What is I don't understand from a basketball perspective, right? Like get your Nets hate out of your get your Nets hate out of your head. Let's hate in this. perspective. You'd be a better fit on Toronto than he would be on Brooklyn. No, you would not. Why? You want to add Michael Jordan to this team too? Is that what we're just taking everybody? <laughs> best you see, you see, you see. Now here's the here's where it is. Then we get to the crux of the problem. And what it really is is that he's just jealous because the Nets are adding great players and continuing to add talent to their their basketball team. Oh, the Nets are good enough. They don't they need to add more talent. That's what that is. That's your argument. You're Not right. a basketball argument. The Nets are good enough. They don't need more talent. Not a basketball argument. We we it's on tape. We it's no basketball reason why he doesn't fit. He fits. No, because it's not working right now. What's not working? Y'all, y'all, a couple games over 500 right now. One of the worst teams in defensive statistics this year. So you want to bring in Drummond? Let's see what happens. But you guys are better off bringing in somebody like JaVel McGee, somebody who doesn't need those touches. Drummond <laughs> wants those touches. What? He's doing post moves. He's trying to. Drummond doesn't need it either. Look, I'm see, going you to. You're talking in this sense, Greg. You're talking in this sense. You're looking at it from a genius perspective. If you're bringing him in, you're telling Drummond this is your role. Drummond, I don't think wants that role though. If you bring a Javale McGee in, you don't have to have that I don't conversation. Think y'all, yo, hold on. Drummond doesn't have a say in this. Drummond <laughs> will be out of the NBA. I don't think y'all really get it. You think he's, he's not going to be in the NBA? I don't think he wants his last leg though. Yeah, you you're bugging with that. Drummond is Drummond never going to command that kind of money ever again. It's never going to happen unless he <laughs> accepts the role I'm talking about. Like, yo, and so you really think he's going to command this kind of bread? Getting no, 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 no. See, no, no, no. I don't think he's going to command. It. He's never getting this contract. This contract again. But look, Hassan Whiteside is still in the league. I think Drummond will still be in the league for another five, why, six years. Why is Whiteside in the? Why is why 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 is he still in the NBA? Why? Because he's a because. solid backup center. Don't, 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 I don't want to hear from you. Know why? <laughs> why? Because you know, because he's be, he's full of it, bro. Because you know exactly why he's still in the NBA. Because he's doing he exactly changed, what I'm he saying. He changes his role. He, he plays role. his he role. He plays his role. That is it. Drummond has no, because he robbed the Heat. That's why he robbed the Heat. That he was yeah. good for a couple of seasons, and then showed that he he wasn't improving. Whiteside no, at his best didn't get post ups, bro. At his best, he did exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. He was just playing defense, blocking shots, running the floor, catching lobs. That's it. Don't get paid, big man. That's it. That's it. Why are you trying to shoot threes? What is wrong with him? Like, 
It is so easy, bro. It's not that crazy. Drummond has to accept his fate. It's already been decided. They've already put him in a box. He's not getting out of it. There's no way he can go in the NBA where they say, oh, Drummond, yay, man, go go get us 20 points tonight. We're going to ride you to wins. No, they're not. It's done. What is wrong with you, you fool? Like, <laughs> what is wrong with him, bro? He's being a fool, bro. Because you know why? Because Drummond's young enough to where he can still get a $15 million a year contract doing what I'm saying. He's that talented. But he hasn't figured it out yet. What are you doing, bro? Like, yo, go watch some. Maybe he's trying to read like, Please. Maybe he's trying to reinvent himself. Every player does it in their career. Reinvent himself into what? A worse player? It makes no sense. What are we talking about? He's not as easy. He'll be more efficient doing what I'm saying. To be, I'm saying he's probably, so you mentioned Whiteside taking threes, for example, right? I can just put myself in his shoes. Hey, I'm on these teams. I want touches. Y'all not giving me post touches because the NBA in general, they don't really do post touches. So, Whiteside, maybe in his mindset, I don't know. Since y'all not going to give me the ball, I might as well shoot a three. <laughs> that is stupid. <laughs> I'm saying it's stretch fives now. Stretch five, stretch four. It is stretch five, so stretch maybe five. he's trying to – maybe he's trying to – you can't – I see what you're saying, but you can't blame a Whiteside or a Drummond for trying to do that because they want touches. Think about it. When you at the Y, we've been at the Y together multiple times. You don't like playing with that joker that just keep coming up the court and you don't touch the ball. You don't get a shot. You try to touch the ball, and then they looking at you like, don't you shoot. Don't you shoot. You don't you shoot. First of all, That's what nobody, they do to Drummond. Don't you shoot, Drummond. Ain't, ain't nobody telling me not to shoot the ball. That's stupid. Secondly, <laughs> I, 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 you're, getting, you're getting your touches how you can, though. And in those situations, I'm going to get a rebound. I'm going to go do what I can to help the team win a game. I'm mature enough to understand that. This is a maturity thing. It's a maturity thing. That's what it is. You got to accept that. Your agent, if you're a smart agent, you're telling him, man, listen, even in Toronto, he's not getting post touches, Mal. Even in Toronto, he's not really getting post touches. Like, just so we understand, he's not Valanciunas. Like, he's not. He don't even have that kind of game to the back to the basket. He does not, bro. What, he's going he's gonna to go to Brooklyn, get five points, maybe six, no. 17. No, if you went to Brooklyn, he's averaging, 15, he's, getting, he's averaging 15 easy. He's getting 15 easy points. How do you not understand it's easier to score in Brooklyn than it is in Toronto for him? How does it not make sense? I just want to understand. I want to get it. I, I just want to understand. Yo, put up a poll. How is it not easier for Andre Drummond to score in Brooklyn than it is for him to score in Toronto? I, I just, I'm not crazy, bro. And for the, and for the dudes that DM the, 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 the bench mob DMs talking about me, if you think that Andre Drummond, if you grip Miles, you are a fool. There is no way. I am sorry. There's no way that it is easier for that man to, to, to get points in Toronto than it is for him to get points in Brooklyn. I'm sorry. If he's doing what I'm saying, he should, he should be doing. He's going to have more of a role in Toronto, though. To do what, bro? To do what I'm talking about. <laughs> he will do the same thing. To do as where? Do the same thing as where? Is in Cleveland? Then, where he's averaging he, like 18 and 14 right now? He could get, he could get that in Brooklyn easy. Yeah, he's not going to Easy. With the way James Harden is setting the table for people? What? Easy. The lob threat? You know how many easy lobs? They're not worried about drumming. Guess who the last person – who was the last person you heard about out of these names? Even Joe Harris is a guy I'm more worried about. Joe Harris, obviously KD, Kyrie, James Harden, Andre Drummond. Who am I Who am I least, the least bit worried about? Please, go ahead and answer the question honestly. Drummond. So who's gonna get benefit the most out of that? What, how is this difficult, bro? 
That was, he got me over here sweating, bro. How is it? Where's he getting shots from? The Durant getting 15 shots. Kyrie's getting 20 plus. Quick pick and rolls, bro. What are we talking about? Even yo, if DeAndre Jordan can get me twelve and can get me twelve points on, on, a, on an average basis he's in this offense, at all. what? He's not doing that at all in in the first place. DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan can get you twelve to fifteen points every night if he wasn't a lazy bum. It's the reason why I want to get I want to get Andre Drummond out there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but now you now you talking about. Now, now you, now you're talking about literally changing the way how how players give effort. Like you're oh, saying, it's an effort yeah. thing. anyone who watched the Nets can admit that it's an effort thing with this guy, De- DeAndre. Yeah, he's too talented to, and too talented to to not be dominant in this offense because the lob is literally always there. It is always maybe he want to do something besides the lob. Maybe huh? he want to do something besides the lob. We know that's not true because he's made a name for himself catching lobs. That's all that guy does. <laughs> Transitioning, we mentioned Blake Griffin, LA in that situation, 80s injury. What does that mean for the Lakers? And can they even get out the West if AD isn't healthy? Yes. Yes. Simply put. Because you got you got the team's better than they were last year. They added more talent. Dennis Dennis Schroeder. Um, THT will play a lot more, which I'm excited about, frankly. Um, who's my he laughing and all that, but I'm I'm really excited about it. He's 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 talented. We're gonna see it unfold this play. Um, Kuzma obviously is playing a lot better in his role. And I, I just like the way he's playing right now. Um, and obviously we got Brian, and Brian hasn't even tapped into it yet. You, you know that Brian has another place you can go to. So um, yeah, that team can make a, as long as they stay healthy, that team can get out of the West. He as currently constitute. I know the Clippers are what they are, but the Clippers have their own issues to deal with in terms of just not having a point guard that sets the table. They still don't have – they didn't fix their problem. Reggie, They rely on Reggie Jackson a lot, and that's not what any team wants to be doing. We talked about this. You see, they butt heads all the They're not happy playing time. together. They butt heads all the time. They're not happy playing together. And, yo, if you think for a second that doesn't matter in team sports, you're, you're – I'm sorry. You just haven't played team sports. If you have to like each other to, to get that far, to get to a championship, and the Lakers generally have that kind of chemistry going already. And also – you know, I know the question was hypothetical. If AD is not healthy, I don't think that'll be the case. I think he'll, I think he'll be back. But if we're talking about eight LeBron and him getting there, there's also a precedent for this. Yo, LeBron can get the 2018 Cavs to the NBA championship. I know it was years ago, but let's be let's be real. Let's be real. LeBron's not aging, so if you want to play this game, we can do that. LeBron can get this Lakers team, which is much more talented than that 2018 Cavs team, to the finals. Like bet on that for real. Yeah. I think the chemistry is there too for for him to be able to do that. A lot of returning players from last year too, and like you said, we were t- we were all talking about Kuzma the other day and how he seems like he he's finding his little niche and he's in his bag. But uh, I, I think what's going to be important if AD is going to be out for a substantial amount of time, which we all think he will be, more as a precaution than than anything. I think Montrezl Harrell is going to have to step up, and, and if Mark Gasol gets a lot of minutes, he's going to have to step up too because. As a big, you're going to have to come in, and one of those guys is going to have to step up offensively, and the other is going to have to step up defensively um, or, or do both. Because, like, AD, people forget how big of a part of their defense he is. And uh, for him to be out for a substantial amount of time, that's going to hurt at some point, or it's going to drain the team down in some ways. And one, offensively, yes, they're going to be able to score and, and hopefully be able to make up for his absence. But at the same time, defensively is where it's going to hurt them. Hey, Miles. Who's the biggest threat to the Lakers? Like, 
Greg mentioned the Clippers and Reggie Jackson and, you know, you got Chauncey Billups pulling him to the side talking about, yo, you got to get the ball to Kawhi. Are the Utah Jazz the biggest threat in the West to L.A. or Phoenix maybe? I don't know about Phoenix. I, li- I do like Utah. They're playing playing good basketball this year. Jordan Clarkson, probably sixth man of the year. They play good defense on that team. So I think they're a threat. They could be the Nuggets of last year. But honestly, I think the Clippers will figure it out. They've got some injuries like Paul George. I, he seems to be nicked up every year now, but if he's healthy, I think they're right there. They can make a run at it, and who knows? AD, he just keeps getting hurt, and this has been a theme his whole career. He's He's been kind of injury-prone, and hopefully he can be reliable this year. He might have to sit out a few months and get healthy, and hopefully he's ready for the playoffs, but I don't count out any of these teams it's wide open it's early too if if greg is right and let's say ad is out for a couple months to get healthy because you got to remember they was in the finals they won and it was a quick turnaround so this could be a factor in the injury that he's going through right so if lebron is able to lead this lakers squad which is very talented but if he is able to lead them are we seeing LeBron as the MVP this season? I would hope so. He's already the MVP. Yeah. Even – he's just showed that for him, father time doesn't exist. Like, he's still the best player in the world at age 36, one of the oldest players doing it of all time. And I think he'll be the oldest MVP of all time. So, it's that's all I got to say. LeBron's – Second best player of all time, and he's showing it. What? <laughs> what? Second. He said second best. Right? Like what? <laughs> we not getting into that. That's a, that's a whole other discussion. That's a whole other episode. Uh, that's a whole other episode. But um, <laughs> I can't even gather my thoughts, bro. Um, nah, it, you good, Greg? Because I think it's three to one. Yeah. Three of us. I'm picking LeBron over MJ. That's a whole other. Like and then that. I'm taking Kobe over MJ, but that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. Wow. Wow. They're, not, they're not ready for that yet. Wow. <laughs> they're not ready for that yet. Yeah, I I'm coming like that. that. I got LeBron and Kobe over MJ. They're not ready for that yet, bro. Hold on. We, did, we just lost a few followers. <laughs> we can't do this, Paul. I, I listen, bro. You did that. You did the um. You did the uh thing where they have they, they, in the giveaway. They can come on the show, right, and talk to us. So we'll, we'll cover all that. Because I think the guys will be talking hot in the DMs and all that stuff. They can come on and see what they're talking about. Um, but, um, no, nah, I mean, Bron, Bron's played really great up until this point. If you look at his numbers, the numbers won't wow you. It's just three, it's two things. The three-point percentage and then his performance in the last two minutes of games. He's putting, he's slamming the door on teams. He's shooting the three ball at a high, at an all-time high clip, at a higher clip than Michael Jordan never did, just to say. But he's he's doing that. He's doing that, so it's it's important that that we that we note that, and that's the biggest reason why he's the leader for the MVP right now. And he's I I'm listening to the Brian Windhorst podcast. They mentioned that amongst the writers that he won the uh, early poll for MVP, and the last fifteen MVP winners have won that poll, right? So LeBron's won MVP. The Lakers won unravel without AD. In fact, without being without AD, that's gonna that's gonna strengthen his case. So 
So LeBron is easily the MVP of the NBA and deservedly so. They have robbed him of three MVPs. It's ridiculous. The, Derek, the year Derrick Rose, when I love Derrick Rose, LeBron is an MVP just by every merit. But hey, that's a whole different discussion for another day. LeBron will be MVP um, five times. Uh, five, wait, 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 what it'll be? Uh, five time NBA champion after this year, too. It'll be decorated, man. So I'm excited. Facts. I completely agree. He's been robbed a lot of times. He's the chosen one. It's just that simple. And this year, MVP again, it should be. I promise you, if the NBA gives it to anybody else this year, I'm coming on this show going ham. I don't want to see no Greek freak. He could freak it somewhere else. I don't want to see KB. I don't want to see Harden. I don't want to see Byrie. I don't want to see nobody else named. I don't want to see nobody else named. Yeah, Steph is doing his thing. And, yeah, you have to put him in the MVP conversation, but he's not winning MVP this year. He better not. You can keep that shimmy shake somewhere over in Golden State. It needs to be LeBron. Point blank, period. We had to talk about we need to talk about the Steph and the Steph MVP conversation. He deserves to be in it. He deserves votes, and he should probably be at a higher. He's probably be higher than than Giannis is on the on the scale, and maybe even Jokic. He's been really impressive this year. But the reason why he can't win MVP is because when Bron did that in 2018, exactly what Steph is doing now. What were they saying? They were no one was really impressed. Bron's held to a different standard than Steph is. That's the reality of it. Bron's held to a different standard than any any NBA player in the history of the game has been held to, including. Michael Jordan, like no one's been held to this standard. So that's why you can't be inconsistent if you're the writers. This is my problem with the NBA. This is a whole different podcast. We, I could talk about my problem with the MVP voting system for 50 minutes straight, right? Like I might do a special for y'all. I, I might. Like that's that's how that's that's how upset it makes me. But if we're gonna be honest now, like it, LeBron's annoying with that. I didn't mean to interrupt the soliloquy, bro. But I just I just want to let y'all know that the Steph Curry. I know we got some Steph Curry fans. We got a couple of them that listen to the podcast. I know for a fact that they're going to be put, putting in words for Steph to be MVP. Not happening. He is not the MVP this year. Impressive. He's been great. I love Steph Curry. Love, appreciate his game. He is not the MVP. I definitely said probably last month, if, before the season started, actually, I said if Steph Curry is able to get this team into the playoffs, he is going to be in the MVP conversation. Not foreseeing what LeBron was going to do. Right. Bench mob, if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. We out. Peace. Peace.